It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story. This is Evan Fowler along with Rich Bot at the Southern Baptist Convention in Phoenix, Arizona. We've been here and uh, covering this event as well as the Harvest America Crusade that took place Sunday night at the uh, the big uh, stadium here in Phoenix. And, uh, where, the, where the football Cardinals play. Eben, wasn't right. that thrilling? Oh, I, I, got, I got the numbers. 2,904 people came to Christ that night at the stadium. Some 400 and more came to know Christ uh, as a result of the internet streaming that they did. And then the numbers are still coming in from all of the remote sites, the satellite locations where, there, where churches were viewing on large screen TVs and so forth, the big, big screen projections. So uh, it's just thrilling. And wasn't it a thrill? to be there, to see those people come forward to accept Christ. The University of Phoenix Stadium uh, holds, I don't know how many people, what, Mm 60,000, something like that. There were about 38, 39,000 in attendance. It was a, a wonderful event. We broadcast it live we, on yeah, Radio we, Network. We did, and I'm hoping and praying that some of our broadcast listeners came to know Christ as a result of hearing that gospel presentation. And, uh, Evan, it was the simple message of the of the gospel, which is, you know, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and we need to accept Him as our Savior. Absolutely. Well, we're here at the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. It's been a great event. We've run into lots of people that we know as well as some folks that mm-hmm, we haven't mm-hmm. talked with before. And we have right here at the table on the convention floor Dr. Anthony Allen, the president of Hannibal LaGrange University in Hannibal, Missouri. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here today. You know, Hannibal, Missouri is one of my favorite places because when I was a little boy, our family took a trip across Missouri over to the Mississippi River and then up to Hannibal where that's where Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn and Becky Thatcher and all of that took place. And there was a cave that we, we went to explore, uh, the Injun Joe Cave, and uh, which, a, lot of, a lot of history. And that's Samuel Clemens. That's Mark Twain just really uh, Im- immortalized that. But Hannibal LaGrange University is is a real claim to fame for Hannibal, Missouri now. Yes, it's a wonderful uh, small town located on the uh, Mississippi River, and of course it was the hometown of Mark Twain, but Hannibal LaGrange moved there in 1928. It was founded originally in LaGrange, Missouri. Uh, not long after the Louisiana Purchase, Baptists decided they need an educational institution of higher learning, uh, particularly to train uh, pastors and teachers to serve in schools there, and so Hannibal LaGrange college at the time was founded in 1858. Wow, been around for a while. What are some of the distinctives of Hannibal LaGrange? Well, I think uh, when you think about Hannibal LaGrange, it's been very uniquely Christian, even since its uh, founding as an institution. And if you know much about the history of higher education in America, you'll know that by and large, uh, until the invent of the land-grant institution, uh, institutions of higher learning were started by Christian denominations, very committed to a very evangelical mission of training and educating uh, young men and women in an environment which would help them grow in their faith and help them uh, learn to prepare for a life of service for the kingdom. So as uh, time has gone on, of course, many of those institutions are, at least in name only, still Christian. But the neat thing about Hannibal LaGrange, it's been very committed to its mission since its founding, and uh, it's, uh, it's a jewel there in the Midwest, and I'm very honored to be the president. Uh, how do you define the mission of Hannibal LaGrange University? What, what is your primary objective with these young people that come for an education? 
Well, we want to uh, help young people uh, uh, discover and demonstrate God's purpose for their life. You know, students come to the university and, and some of them have an idea about what they want to do. And many times that's a dream major. Uh, but we try to help students critically think about their gifts, their skills, and their talents and how to use those gifts and skills to find a career that best fits them, something that they will enjoy doing, they can do for the glory of God, and find great significance and purpose. And one of the things we are very interested in doing is, is integrating faith in learning. How does your faith uh, impact your, your discipline, your major, your career, and how do we uh, learn to do all things for the glory of God in the classroom, out of the classroom, and in our life mission. You've heard uh, some of the, the buzzwords on uh, many of the secular campuses these days are like trigger warnings and uh, safe spaces, <laughs> and you, you don't want to hear things that, that upset you. Uh, but but tell us about your your thought about all of those types of things. Do you have things. any safe spaces at Hannibal LaGrange? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's all safe at Hannibal LaGrange yeah, University. Yeah, yeah. Because and, uh, truth, because the truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. You know, when I did my undergraduate work, I, I went to an institution that was historically uh, founded as a Christian institution, but by and large over time pretty much lost that mission. And I found it to be very antagonistic toward my faith. And um, while that was good for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to be a part of an institution that tries to foster and encourage faith in our students. We not only do that through the experiences they have in terms of a chapel and uh, personal discipleship, Bible study in the dorm, but really we want to learn to integrate faith within the discipline. How does being a Christian teacher uh, impact your life and your future? And how can you be a witness for Christ in the public uh, space? And so students are really challenged to uh, get equipped and prepared to face their future confidently, knowing that they can be a witness for Christ no matter where call, God calls them. Yeah, you mentioned previously about the, the secular drift that oftentimes afflicts a, an institution, a college, and a university that was founded on biblical principles, but then they drift away from it. What, what can you do or what are you doing intentionally at Hannibal LaGrange to keep it focused on the Word of God? Well, every generation has to fight for truth, and uh, institutionally, it's by and large dependent upon the leadership of the Board of Trustees and the president of the institution. So one of the things that uh, I felt very committed to in coming to Hannibal Grange is to continue to reassert our mission, to go back and look at our, our value statements as an institution, our mission statement, and then uh, make sure that we're Christ-centered, learner-focused, globally-minded, and service-oriented. Those are the four core mm -hmm. values of everything that we do as an institution. And I, I'm pleased to say that um, while not all of our students are Christian, many of them come to know Christ while they're there at the university. And then uh, we graduate a great group of students every year who we believe are ready to face the future confidently, to serve the Lord in whatever career that God calls them and gives them opportunity. And, you know, not only be prepared... Um, intellectually and vocationally, but to be able to be prepared spiritually to have a life of success. And we believe that comes when you follow God's best and discover what God's will and purpose is for your life. What are your impressions thus far of the convention, Southern Baptist Convention here in Phoenix? Well, it's always Im Im impressive to be a part of the convention here. Uh, it's really like a giant family reunion of all the different uh, entities of the convention, arms of ministry. And so for me, it's always a great encouragement to, to be with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and to remember that, uh, you know, we're a part of something greater, the kingdom of God that even extends beyond Southern Baptist life. But it's always great to get together with uh, 
folks that uh, you know and you love and I've been seeing now for almost 30 years here at these conventions so uh, it's a great time of encouragement you know I, um, I know that there are there are people that grow up in church and then find out that they really never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ tell me about that you said on campus sometimes the students come to know Christ as a result of coming to school there Yes. One of the things that we try to do each fall is have a spiritual emphasis week as students come back to the university. Some of them are on our campus for the very first time. And, you know, um, one of the greatest tragedies in all of life is for people to become religious but never understand that God intended us for have, to have a personal relationship with Him. So we're very intentional about uh, evangelizing and then discipling our students when they come on campus. And uh, we see probably around 75 students every year in the fall make a public profession of faith in Christ, and uh, then we get to see many of them continue to grow and develop, get engaged in the local church, and also uh, through the discipleship programs and opportunities for ministry we have on campus. It's great to see them grow. Well, Dr. Allen, tell us uh, how our listeners can find out more about Hannibal LaGrange University. Well, the great World Wide Web is a great uh, yes, tool that people can go to, www.hlg.edu. Uh, we have a great uh, mobile-friendly app. You can go on there and uh, look up uh, the opportunities there at the institution, the degree programs. We have uh, uh, 34 undergraduate majors as well as a number of graduate majors that you can choose from. So for more information, just go to our website. And that's, that's as simple as hlg.edu. Correct. That's yes. a very, very good uh, address there. It's yes. easy to remember. Yes. HLG for Hannibal LaGrange, edu. Yes, very good. Dr. Anthony Allen, president of Hannibal LaGrange, thanks for being with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. God bless. God bless you. Well, Richard, our next guest has some similarities to the guest we just heard from. We have Dr. Barry Creamer. He's the president of Criswell College in the Dallas area, and he's here at the Southern Baptist Convention with us here on the exhibit floor in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor to be here. Hey, Eben, let's talk first of all about Dr. W.A. Criswell, the, the, the founder of Criswell College. Tell us about him and his legacy and the ministry today of Criswell College. You know, the pastor for over 50 years at Criswell College, he still has an influence in our area through our college, also through the WACriswell.com ministry that's online. But his legacy in Dallas is unbelievable. The number of pastors, the number of churches that were shaped by First Baptist Dallas under his influence, all of that's been profound. But for us, the greatest influence is, he said 47 years ago, we need a great college in Dallas for the Bible and for ministers to be trained and uh, established Criswell College. So. And so you are the, uh, uh, what's the right word for it, but you are carrying on the legacy yeah. of, we, of that vision. We look at ourselves as his heritage. It's why we enjoy being downtown. He stayed downtown in Dallas, uh, even when he could have gone suburban. Uh, and chose, he believed that the ministry needed to stay where the people were in downtown. And we have remained in near East Dallas, right there in the urban setting, and love being there. And that's one of the things that you and I chatted about before we, we went on the air here, and that's uh, the importance of staying in that urban setting. Tell, yeah. tell us why that's important. Dig yeah, down in. For, for us, it comes down to three things. I mean, one is being true to Dr. Criswell's heritage, that he wanted that. Mm -hmm. Number two is our goal is to educate students who, can, who are trained to influence the whole culture, trained to have an impact on the society. 
And we just believe cultural change, cultural shape comes from urban centers. Uh, we might not want it to be that way, but it just is that way. And so for our students to be trained in ministry in an urban setting makes a huge difference to us. And then thirdly, for us, it's beautiful because the kinds of students we want to attract who are students who have this radical commitment to Christ mm. and they want to give all their lives to God already, they're the kind of students who in the 70s we would have said need to go to a Bible college. Our curriculum is similar to that. That's what we do. And so when those students look at our school, we don't have a traditional suburban campus. We're not sprawling. You're not going to join a fraternity and go to a football game at Criswell College. You're going to serve in urban ministry when you come to Criswell College. And we just love that. And this is kind of like boot camp for Jesus. That's, exa- that's exactly <laughs> how people talk about it. it and, wonderful. And I, yeah, it has a great influence in our, in our area as well. In fact, some things you probably would have heard about recently on the news uh, we had a young man who was shot in Balch Springs, which is a suburb of Dallas right there. Uh, one of our graduates, in fact, he was graduating the following Saturday. He's the pastor of that young man's family. He served that family during that crisis. A police officer had shot the young man. And then out, one of our graduates pastors a church right across from the police station. He serves as chaplain for that police department. Uh, we had a hand in everything that was going on during that time in Dallas. And, you know, the outcome is remarkably different than it has been in other parts of the country. And we just look at that and say that's urban ministry. And it wasn't picking a side. It wasn't trying to make enemies of anyone. It was just serving the gospel in a crisis situation. We love being able to so do, do that. So do your students come from all over the country or are they just from the Dallas area? We have students from all over the world who come. And we love international students. We have students from around the country who come. The, the majority come from the region around Dallas because so many of them know about W.A. Criswell and they know the Dallas area and they know we're a pretty cool place to come study. So, so. if a student comes to uh, Criswell College to, to study the Bible, prepare for ministry, or to really get well grounded in the Word, what are the kind of professors that they're likely to encounter there? Are they going to show them that the Bible is believable or what? Absolutely. In fact, that's our requirement. In fact, our faculty members sign a statement of faith, and our statement of faith specifies even more than the really strong Baptist Faith and Message 2000. It specifies even more than that, adding the word inerrancy, for instance, requiring, and every year our faculty have to sign that. And our, our faculty are highly qualified, credentialed academicians. Uh, they are PhDs. When you come to study at Criswell College, you study with PhDs. Uh, and we're, we focus on undergraduate work, but still, they are, they are fully qualified faculty who do that and have a spiritual commitment. You know, one of the other things that, that you'd mentioned before we went on the air was this, uh, this whole thing about calling and students calling and how that's shifted. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, part of it's the complication of understanding what the word means, because we, and you you had mentioned this right off the bat, we want students who want to give their whole lives to God, and we want that for students who want to do that in a church vocation, and students who want to do it in a counselor's office, and students who want to do it in an elementary school. We want all of that. But we do notice there's a difference between students who understand that God has called them to a specific kind of ministry, a specific calling. That's what it was. So when I was a kid, uh, pastors talked about this. We went uh, down the aisle and said, I, I'm called to ministry. And it was a big deal that you mm-hmm. went and did that. I was called to preach when I was 13, again when I was 16. And I'm committed to that. Now, today, I don't hear that vocabulary from students a lot. And I think the church suffers because of you that. You know, and sometimes calling, and we 
we think of that more in the traditional sense of becoming a pastor and, mm-hmm. and serving right. in a specific ministry. But, you know, you have students who go into the education field and counseling, as you said. So there are callings all over the place. It's not just specifically in Christian ministry. It's Christians ministering in whatever their calling is. I it, would include, for instance, what I do every day. Absolutely. Broadcasting. And in fact, you'd be a perfect example of this. When I was called to preach, there were probably 20 other guys who were my age who were called to preach at the same time. But that wasn't true. They weren't called to preach. They were called to ministry. And they didn't know what to do with it as time went by because they would go off to a Bible college and all they could learn was how to fill a pulpit. And we love the idea that students come to our school, they're committed to Christ, they figure out they're not necessarily called to preach, but they're still called to ministry, and we can funnel them in the right direction. So do you have some tools to help people figure that out? Now, what, what comprises figuring out your calling, whatever it might be? Yeah, there's not, I mean, there's not a simple set of tools, that's no. for sure. But being in the Word of God, learning how to handle the Word of God well, and then realizing that you're most effective in a setting for, where, for instance, people are bringing their deepest problems to you. So you're in a counselor's office. And realizing that you're more effective there than you are behind a pulpit trying to force mm-hmm. yourself square peg into a round hole. Right. Uh, you know, the but, example you were giving earlier was Yeah, but don't one. you think it, it begins with a sense of surrender? Absolutely. And, and that's another word that we don't hear very much anymore. Right. Are you surrendering your life to serve the Lord? And then, and then surrendering to follow His leading and will in your life. And then once you are surrendered, then He can kind of reveal your sense of calling or what it is that He would have you to do. But He won't show you what He wants you to do until you're, first of all, willing to do whatever that is. Lay it down in front of him. And and I'll tell you, it's a really interesting dilemma that we run into because everybody ought to surrender their lives that way, obviously. And God calls all of us to a specific task. In other words, he creates us. You know, we're formed by him for the work that he's prepared for us. But we're selfish. We want to hold something back. We do. Not everyone gives into it. Those are the students we're looking for, the students who surrender and then seek out God's will and calling on their life. That's who we're looking for. Well, tell us here in this last minute or so, uh, your impressions of the convention so far. What are some of the most important things you've heard that are going on here? Yeah, and I serve on the ERLC board, so I've had a good time interacting with them. I'm very excited about the whole focus on prayer that the Southern Baptist Convention has had for the last few years uh, and looking forward to see where that goes this year in the convention. Looking forward to hearing from the IMB and the seminaries about what's happening with them. I mean, just the whole Great Commission movement, the focus on the cooperative program, program this year uh, with the the stirring that went around the convention earlier. I'm very excited that people are coming together with a desire to support the the Great Commission going forward. Absolutely. Dr. Barry Kramer, president of Criswell College, thanks for dropping by. My privilege. Well, Rich, in this third and final segment of this particular half-hour program, this is sort of the uh, college president, university president segment, if you will. Uh, We were fortunate enough to snag Dr. Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. One of my favorite people. There you go. And he has a wonderful family. Absolutely. And so you're kind of, uh, you're, you're the cleanup uh, batter here of, of uh, three of three. So we're glad to have you. Uh, it's a delight to be with you. I, the other two guests I know well, those are great men leading great institutions. And I'm privileged to uh, get to uh, follow in their in their wake here. Well, we want our listeners to learn all about uh, Midwestern and, and hear about what you've been doing there and 
some of the exciting things that are going on on that campus. So uh, tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, we're recording today at the Southern Baptist Convention. Midwestern Seminary is one of six seminaries owned by the Southern Baptist Convention. So we're one of six. We're the youngest, founded in 1957 in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, I've been president nearly five years, and God has done remarkable work there. Our enrollment has went from about 1,200 students to right at 3,000 wow. over the past four years. So ATS, who is the gold standard accrediting agency, uh, they cite us as a fastest growing seminary in North America for the last couple of years. And so it's just a remarkable work that's taking place there. This week at the SBC, we and the other 11 national Southern Baptist entities give reports to the messengers. So uh, Wednesday morning, I'll be giving a formal report to the SBC, answering questions about the SBC or about Midwestern Seminary to the SBC. And so this for us is a, a week that's part family reunion, but also part business meeting where we get to unpack uh, the work of Midwestern Seminary. So that growth is fan- just phenomenal. That's impressive. Why is it growing so fast? What's going on? Yeah, I think the primary reason is three words for the church. So our mission statement, our vision is to serve the local church. Hence, we've made that into just one catchphrase for the church. Now, that's practical, but it's also deeply biblical, deeply theological. Christ has promised to build his church, right? And so we want to be about giving our lives and energies to supporting that which Christ has committed himself to building. So for us, that was a comprehensive process that played out my first couple of years at Midwestern. Everything from hires we made to curricular revisions to the events we host, everything about it, we, we have filtered to that grid of does this decision, does this hire, does this event, does this class help us best equip pastors, ministers, missionaries for the church. What are some of the, the key programs that you have on the campus there? Obviously, you know, you're, you're teaching people to be to, to be pastors, preachers, missionaries. Uh, what's the totality of the programming that you have available for students? So, you know, again, uh, potentially talking to either some potential students or parents of potential students. Sure. So we offer the full range of, of, of class and degree options from the undergraduate level uh, to the master's level, all the way up to the PhD level. So one of the things most people may not realize about Midwestern seminaries, we have Midwestern College. We have a few hundred, actually uh, well over 500 now, undergraduate students. They are all at least a Bible or ministry major, but also double majors in things like business and, uh, and the humanities. And so you have a lot of people, especially that are 18, 20, 21 years old, they perceive a call to ministry, not quite sure what that's going to look like or feel like in the years ahead, so they will take that double major. Then you get into the master's degree, the MDiv, is the core degree that every pastor really needs to get. And then the doctoral level, uh, we have literally hundreds and hundreds of D-men and of Ph.D. students. I read something recently that was a part of a George Barna study that said the, the, the most um, important thing for a person in selecting a church to attend is, do they teach the Bible? And, you know, some of the, you know, it says that does not whether or not they serve Starbucks in the lobby or what kind of music they sing in the choir or what have you or whether they wear worldly. But the thing that they're most looking for these days is Bible education. And uh, how does that play out at Midwestern, how you teach the students to correctly divide the word of truth? Yeah, well, we want to be a biblical seminary, right? And we're committed to the Bible as the word of God. And not every seminary is. And not every seminary is. Not every anything is, unfortunately. Yeah. We're committed to the Bible as the word of God. So we look to places like First Timothy 3, 1 through 7, the qualifications for the pastor. 
many character qualifications, but only one gifting that the pastor, the minister must have, the ability to teach God's Word, Paul says. And so we have failed if we graduate students that aren't equipped to open the Scriptures, to explain the Scriptures, to to apply the Scriptures in churches and Bible studies and even counseling-type sessions. So that's priority number one for us. We, We evaluate ourselves institutionally, internally, by questions like, in five years, how many of our students are going to be pastoring churches and equipped to serve those churches? Uh, that's where it's at. So goes the pulpit, so goes the church. And a weak pulpit over time leads to a weak church. A strong pulpit over time builds a strong church. And a weak culture. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there's a trickle-down effect in leadership. There just mm-hmm. is. And a pastor that is superficial, that's not committed to the Word, over time that will adversely affect the congregation. Absolutely. A pastor that's a man of God, committed to the Scriptures, evangelistic, evangelical, uh, that will impact the congregation. That will show up in the pew in the years to come. You have the Spurgeon Library there at Midwestern. How does the life of Spurgeon impact and inspire what you do today? Yeah, thank you for asking. So we own the Spurgeon Library. That consists of about 6,000 books and artifacts once owned by the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. Many people, perhaps most students of church history, believe Spurgeon to be the greatest preacher of the English language. He pastored in Victorian Britain uh, in London, the second half of the 19th century. This massive figure. And so for us, we have all of these things on display in a, a beautiful facility that houses the Spurgeon Library, but it's more than a library, and it's even more than a museum. It's also a study where students come to prepare sermons, to study the Word of God. And so we want, to our best of our ability, to be able to channel Spurgeon's conviction, Spurgeon's passion, Spurgeon's resolve and faithfulness to the Word of God into our students. So we point them to Spurgeon as a great mentor, as a great hero of the faith they can look to and be inspired by. Can we have another great awakening-style revival in America and maybe around the world? Hey, I'm voting for it. This I know. Every great awakening, whether it's Whitfield and Edwards or Spurgeon. Here it comes. Uh, every great awakening goes back to Midwestern. No, I'm kidding. It goes back to what? A, 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 the preaching of the Word of God, the movement of the Holy Spirit. And if the church plays games with superficial instruments, uh, isn't committed to the Word of God, isn't committed to prayer, isn't committed to the things of God, well, no wonder we don't have the blessing of God's favor of awakening of revival. But perhaps in our generation, as we're seeing students and ministers and pastors be be renewed in their commitment to the Word of God and to evangelical doctrine, uh, may God be pleased to bless that and to fan the flames of revival in His church. Well, and what are you seeing in terms of some of the outcome of, of the, the students who are going through Midwestern and going on uh, beyond that? What kinds of things are they doing, and, and are they impacting the culture? Absolutely. And this is an important thing to say here briefly. Our students show up on our campus having already had to put, having had to already have pushed against so much cultural pressure. Oftentimes, their family don't want them to go to seminary. Their parents think you're wasting your college degree. You're not going to make a lot of money. That mm. they're discouraging them from entering the ministry. They don't get this call to ministry. Uh, their friends, their, their their roommates say, "What are you doing? What do you mean that marriage is between a man and a woman? Why would you go to school that believes the Bible?" So they're having to push through all of that cultural junk and pressure, and so they show up pretty committed. And then we get to strengthen them, we get to inform them, and then unleash them as graduates to go out and bring these evangelical convictions to bear in the church, on the mission field, even in the marketplace and beyond. Well, you know, and we've mentioned this in one of the other programs that we did, uh, the recent comments by Senator Bernie Sanders, and I'm sure you're familiar. You want to make a comment about that, uh, you know, where where he he was— Interviewing somebody, I believe it was for director of office of management and the, budget. Yeah, That's right. the young man had graduated from Wheaton College. Right. From he Wheaton. had a, a good evangelical background. Yeah. So, San, you know, Sanders essentially is berating him for his his Christian beliefs. 
boy, we're facing some stuff now, aren't we? Absolutely. Senator Sanders was reckless in his comments. He basically told the uh, the nominee that it's okay for him to be a Christian as long as he doesn't have Christian convictions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every re- major religion makes exclusive truth claims. There's nothing mm-hmm. new or unique about that, especially evangelical Christians. We've done it um, since the founding of this nation, and we have lived with an understanding nationally uh, of what, what I would refer to as charter, chartered pluralism. Mm-hmm. Uh, different denominations can flourish, freedom of religion. But for Senator Sanders to zero in on this one nominee and to literally interrogate him and then seek to oppress him merely for his Christian belief, I believe that is a very troubling sign. Yeah, you know, and we need people to understand it's important that that there be strong biblical teaching across the country for people to understand why Sanders was so far off the mark. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And look, as a footnote here, you know, President Trump, um, you know, some evangelicals were more or less enthused by his candidacy, but we have to give the man credit. The president has made some spectacular nominations in cabinet and sub-level positions. And the Supreme Court. Yeah, the, obviously, uh, Justice Gorsuch. I mean, he has promoted and uh, nominated more evangelicals probably than any of his mm. predecessors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and about the last 30 seconds sure. here, just give us a quick overview of, uh, uh, of your view of this convention. Yeah. So it's part family reunion, part business meeting. Uh, Getting to get reacquainted with brothers and sisters of the faith, come together, celebrate what God is doing in our churches, but also actually conduct business. The SBC, we allocate millions of dollars to missions and theological education into our work. And so it's part business, part family reunion. And we pray that God would be honored in all that we do. And the work that's done here is just so important to our culture and our country, as we've kind of reviewed here uh, just these last few minutes. Dr. Jason Allen. And it's very inspirational at the same time. That's right. Absolutely. Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Thanks so much for wrapping up this segment for us. Thank you, friends. Well, for Bot Radio Network, this is Evan Fowler along with Rich Rich Bot. Bot. Rich Bot here at the Southern Baptist Convention in Phoenix. Thanks for listening.